0: Hey everybody! You are listening to the Creative Biolabs podcast, the show that introduces the basics about stem cells and their broad applications. Please contact us if you have any questions or suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to follow the latest updates. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Connie. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Dr. Benjamin Smith, a journal editor specializing in immunotherapy. Benjamin, thank you for joining us.
1: Nice to meet you, Connie, and thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you here again. In our previous episodes, we delved into kidney development and discussed the latest advances in renal stem cell research. Today, we're shifting our focus to liver stem cells. As we all know, the liver possesses a remarkable regenerative capacity, with mammals, including humans, capable of surviving the surgical removal of up to three-quarters of their total liver mass. So, where should we start our discussion on this topic, doctor?
1: Well, let's begin by exploring the normal anatomy of the adult liver. This foundational knowledge will provide our audience with valuable insights into hepatic stem cell biology. The liver comprises several distinct lobes and is unique in having two afferent blood supplies, Specifically, the portal vein brings in nutrient and hormone-rich venous blood from the splenic bed, while the hepatic artery supplies oxygenated blood. Venous drainage exits through the vena cava. Bile, secreted by hepatocytes, is collected within a branched system known as the biliary tree, ultimately draining into the duodenum. These structures, including the hepatic artery, portal vein, and common bile duct, all enter the liver via the portal hepatis.
0: Thank you for providing that overview. I believe understanding the microstructure of the liver is essential for grasping hepatic stem cell biology. Could you elaborate on this aspect a bit more?
1: Certainly. The liver comprises a diverse array of cell types, including hepatocytes, bile duct epithelium, stellate cells, cupfer cells, vascular endothelium, fibroblasts, and leukocytes. The functional unit of the liver is the hepatic lobule, with the portal triad situated at its periphery. This triad consists of a small portal vein, a branch of the hepatic artery, and a bile duct. It's where arterial and portal venous blood mix before flowing past hepatocytes toward the central vein, which lies in the middle of the lobule. Liver sinusoids are responsible for connecting the vessels of the portal triad with the central vein. Unlike other capillary beds, sinusoidal vessels feature fenestrated endothelium allowing direct contact between blood and hepatocyte cell surfaces. Hepatocytes are arranged in hepatic plates from the portal triad to the central vein in two-dimensional images. Adjacent hepatocytes form bile canaliculi, channels that drain secreted bile towards the bile duct within the portal triad. Duct epithelial cells line the bile ducts. Stellate cells, comprising 5 to 10% of all hepatic cells, play a vital role in extracellular matrix protein synthesis. Kupfer cells, making up around 5% of hepatic cells, function as tissue macrophages.
0: Your explanation is quite comprehensive. Among these diverse cell types, are hepatocytes the primary contributors to liver function?
1: Absolutely. Hepatocytes are the main workhorses of the liver and are responsible for a wide range of functions. These include intermediary metabolism of amino acids, lipids, and carbohydrates, detoxification of xenobiotics, and synthesis of serum proteins. Additionally, the liver produces bile, a substance used by the intestine to absorb nutrients and eliminate cholesterol and copper. While hepatocytes are the primary players in these processes, It's worth noting that not all hepatocytes are identical. Different regions of the liver display unique biochemical properties and gene expression patterns. For example, pericentral hepatocytes, found near the central vein, are the only ones to express glutamine synthase and use ammonia to generate glutamine. In contrast, periportal hepatocytes express urea cycle enzymes and convert ammonia into urea.
0: I understand. From what I know, there has been controversy surrounding the role of liver stem cells in regeneration. How can we resolve these disputes?
1: Many apparent inconsistencies can be addressed by considering the various definitions applied to liver stem cells. Presently, different cell types and mechanisms are responsible for organ reconstitution contingent upon the type of liver injury. Moreover, We must differentiate between tissue replacement through endogenous cells and reconstitution via transplanted donor cells. Therefore, there are five distinct definitions of liver stem cells. Firstly, cells responsible for normal tissue turnover. Secondly, cells regenerating after partial hepatectomy. Thirdly, cells responsible for progenitor dependent regeneration. Fourthly, transplantable liver repopulating cells. And fifthly, cells capable of producing hepatocyte and bile duct epithelial phenotypes in vitro.
0: So, can we categorize hepatic stem cells according to each of these definitions?
1: Absolutely. The average lifespan of an adult mammalian hepatocyte is estimated to be between 200 to 300 days. There is a particular interest in how these cells are replenished. A leading model for normal liver turnover is known as the streaming liver model. According to this model, normal liver turnover resembles the regeneration process in the intestine. Young hepatocytes are born in the portal area and subsequently migrate toward the central vein. Nevertheless, recent research has provided compelling evidence against the streaming liver hypothesis. First. It has been demonstrated that gene expression patterns in hepatocytes are significantly influenced by blood flow direction. These patterns reverse when blood flow is reversed, with portal blood entering the lobules. Consequently, lobular zonation is better explained by metabolite-induced gene regulation than by lineage progression. Second, retroviral marking studies have supplied clear evidence contradicting hepatocyte migration during normal turnover. In conclusion, adult animal liver turnover is not primarily driven by stem cells. Rather, it relies on in situ cell division of hepatocytes and biliary epithelial cells.
0: That makes sense. What about the cells responsible for regeneration after partial hepatectomy?
1: During partial hepatectomy, specific lobes are surgically removed intact without harming the remaining lobes. The remaining lobes then grow to compensate for the loss. Similar to normal liver renewal, there is no evidence indicating the involvement or necessity of stem cells in this process. Several factors, both positive and negative, have been identified as important for initiating regeneration after partial hepatectomy. The key factors include interleukin-6, tumor necrosis factor alpha, transforming growth factor alpha, and epidermal growth factor. Nonpeptide hormones also play a vital role in the regenerative response following liver injury. Some evidence suggests that transforming growth factor beta-1 may be crucial for terminating liver regeneration, but the mechanisms by which hepatocyte division and liver regeneration cease after restoring adequate liver mass remain unclear.
0: I see. In both cases, stem cells do not play a role in organ regeneration. So, in what type of liver injury do stem cells come into play?
1: In certain liver injuries, we observe the emergence of small cells with a high nuclear to cytoplasmic ratio in the portal zone. For instance, chronic liver injury can be induced by chemicals such as dielithianin, galactosamine, and dyes. These small cells undergo extensive proliferation and migrate into the lobules, eventually differentiating into hepatocytes. They are referred to as oval cells due to their distinctive morphology. Oval cell proliferation exemplifies progenitor-dependent liver regeneration. The cells giving rise to oval cells can be considered facultative liver stem cells. Many agents inducing oval cell proliferation are DNA-damaging or carcinogenic, so oval cells can be seen as precancerous. A common feature of progenitor-dependent liver regeneration is the inability of hepatocytes themselves to divide normally. Consequently, progenitor-dependent regeneration becomes relevant when parenchymal hepatocytes are chronically severely damaged or unable to regenerate efficiently.
0: You're right. Aside from their high nuclear-to-cytoplasmic ratio, what other characteristics are associated with oval cells?
1: Oval cells express markers typical of both bile duct epithelium and hepatocytes. In rats, they also exhibit high levels of alpha-fetoprotein. This gene expression profile similarity to fetal hepatoblasts characterizes them. Additionally, oval cells display bipotentiality in vitro, retaining the capacity to differentiate into both bile duct epithelial and hepatocyte lineages. Hence, oval cells resemble hepatoblasts and possess bipotential capacity, akin to committed hematopoietic progenitors. Consequently, oval cell precursors located in the canal of herring are strong contenders for liver-repopulating stem cells.
0: As you mentioned, oval cells are primarily defined by their morphological appearance in rats. Is it possible for their phenotype to undergo changes?
1: The phenotype can indeed vary depending on different induction regimens, and there is variability in the expression of marker genes at different stages following oval cell proliferation induction. This raises the question of whether all oval cells are equivalent, or if there are distinct subclasses of oval cells. Another category of hepatocyte progenitors has been identified in rats treated with retroscene and partial hepatectomy. Retrocine is reported to inhibit mature hepatocyte division but does not lead to the emergence of classical oval cells expressing alpha-fetoprotein and the OV6 cell surface marker. Instead, organ reconstitution occurs through the appearance of small, hepatocyte-like cell clusters which express both hepatocyte and bile duct markers.
0: Thank you for clarifying that. Just a moment ago, you briefly mentioned liver repopulating cells. What characteristics should these cells possess?
1: The nature of transplantable liver repopulating cells has been investigated using animal models. Hepatic stem cells can now be defined by their capacity to repopulate the liver. It's essential to emphasize that liver repopulation specifically refers to the replacement of hepatocytes by transplanted cells based on a significant selective advantage of transplanted cells over host hepatocytes often driven by genetic disparities. Remarkably, liver repopulating cells have demonstrated the ability to undergo over 100 cell divisions without a loss of function.
0: I understand. Which types of cells can serve as liver repopulating cells?
1: Potential candidates include hepatocytes, fetal hepatoblasts, oval cells, pancreatic liver progenitors, and hematopoietic stem cells. There might be subpopulations with particularly high repopulation capacity, which can be identified through experiments using purified bone marrow fractions in the hematopoietic system. Recently, similar experiments have been conducted with liver cells, revealing that fully differentiated hepatocytes exhibit a substantial capacity for liver repopulation and possess stem cell-like potential for cell division. Additionally, studies indicate that transplanted fetal hepatoblasts proliferate more readily than adult hepatocytes, and certain fetal liver cells may maintain bipotentiality. As mentioned earlier, oval cells resemble fetal hepatoblasts in being bipotent. When transplanted, oval cells show moderate proliferation and differentiate into mature hepatocytes. Research has also explored the potential of pancreatic hepatic progenitor cells and hematopoietic stem cells as liver-repopulating cells.
0: Thank you for the comprehensive explanation. What can we learn from cells capable of producing hepatocyte and bile duct epithelial phenotypes in vitro?
1: Several in vitro models for the growth and differentiation of hepatic stem cells have been developed. Two main approaches are employed for studying hepatic stem cells in vitro. The first involves using cell sorting to isolate putative hepatic stem cells based on cell surface markers. The second approach entails deriving immortal cell lines from liver tissue through extensive in vitro manipulation and growth. Research focused on the prospective isolation of hepatic progenitor cells through cell sorting is still relatively limited. In contrast, Various putative hepatic progenitor cell lines from different mammalian species have been isolated and cultured extensively. These in vitro systems have significant scientific and potential medical applications. Both primary cells and immortal progenitor cell lines suitable for sorting share a common feature. They can express markers characteristic of both pancreatic and hepatic cell lineages. Furthermore, Strategies have been developed to conditionally immortalize differentiated hepatocytes for in vitro expansion and subsequent transplantation.
0: I see. Mammalian adult livers indeed contain a diverse array of cell types with distinct embryological origins. Today, we discussed numerous cell types that could potentially serve as liver stem cells. That concludes our discussion for today. Thank you for your patience and the insightful information you've shared. We'll conclude our conversation here, and I wish you a wonderful day.
1: Thank you very much. Likewise, I hope you have a great day.